Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Lisa and Ian. And we don't have Andre this week because he got a gig. I should have said something mysterious, like he was in a bar fight and he's recovering. But no, it was just he got a gig, so congratulations. But the cool thing is we have a special guest this week. We're so excited. We have Tallene Persegia Middleton with us today. Woo! Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Hi, pants. <laughs> lady pants. Have <laughs> we? How long have we been calling each other lady pants? Uh, Six, 10 16? plus years. How long have we known Ooh. each other? Oh, gosh. Uh, I would say early 2000 that something. That sounds right. 2003, what? 2004, I want right. to say. Yeah. And I yeah. moved to LA in 2002. That's a minute. Fresh that's, off the boat we met. That's a freaking minute. That's before my time. Yeah, before your time, before you were born oh. even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were just a, you were just an embryo. Now, uh, yeah. me, like <laughs> you came up through the ranks, like we're going to get into that, but like, it's like, I've, I've watched you just turn into a big deal. I'm surprised that we even got oh, you God, today. You're too nice. I'm telling oh, you, I'm telling you, it's hard to book these, uh, these, uh, I'm like, thank God for the pandemic on one level is that I get you guys like Melissa, you hopefully Abby to come on the show because I'm like, uh, it's like shooting fish in a barrel right now. So. Too kind. So we're going to get into what you do. Uh, you are a producer, a line producer. What other titles do you and have you held? Insane person. Yes. Um, yes. Animal murder. handler. Yeah, murder. Animal handler. Gotcha. <laughs> so we're going to specifically talk about what you do, which is line producing and producing. And I'm going to jump right into it because a lot of people always ask me, when I was producing, what does a producer do? And I'm like, everything. And then, yeah. you know, nothing. It depends on who you are. If you're a dude past the age of 50, nothing. But like, so let's get into that question. Like, what does a producer do in the broadest of terms? Can you specify that for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that the broadest of terms, because it, it, it could mean different things depending on what it is that you're working on, but... We basically are the business side of entertainment, meaning we put together the schedules, we handle the budgets, we ha handle the contracts and, you know, all of the paperwork stuff and then, you know, closing things out and making the actual thing happen, whether it's a movie. So you take a script and you make that come to life um, from beginning to end, from day one to the last day. Um, I carry it through from beginning to end and make sure that uh, it gets made. That's like the simplest way of saying it, basically. So you bring the meat products to the yard for the sausage to get made. Pretty much. Right. Pretty much. You're hiring yeah. the meat. Just, I hiring just, the meat. I just totally reduced your <laughs> to the lowest common denominator. It's great. <laughs> totally great. So... So what does, um, what does a line producer do? The line producer is really like the money end of it, really. Um, you know, let's say you start making a TV show and they say, all right, you've got $10 million to make 10 episodes. So I've got to spread that into the entire show from people to cast to everything we're going to rent and buy and 
every single thing has to be accounted for within that $10 million that I have. So the line producer makes a schedule and then makes a budget. And um, as you're going through the process, that money moves around all day, every day, um, so that you can make it with the money that you are actually given and hopefully don't go over. And it's like, it is not static, weather, scheduling, illness, everything, creative changes that messes with your budget all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, not everybody does this, but I, uh, you know, cause you have an accountant that helps you through the process, but I kind of work as my own accountant at the same time. And I kind of keep my live budget going all the time so that if the executive producer comes to me and goes, Hey, I know we were going to shoot in Florida, but I want to now shoot this in Italy. Can we do this? How much money do we have? Um, I can kind of move my money around live and just see if we've got it, if we can do it or not. So that's a great gig. If you're going from Florida to Italy, I'm like, what happened? Maybe not during the pandemic, but back right. in the day. Shooting right now in someone's backyard would be a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> what we're all You're doing. telling me. Is this, is, this, <laughs> is this the kind of position where, like, you get to have a staff? Or is it just you? It, like, does the, do the people just call you? And you're like, Colleen, can you do this? And you make all the calls and all the things? Or can you delegate that to somebody else? No, Usually. I have a staff. Oh, I have okay. a staff. So um, there is, you know, and every department is kind of um, separated into their own world, right? So my world is production. And within production, um, you can have up to three staff members to support you. You can have up to 30 staff members to support you, depending on how big or small the show is. But, you know, my main right hand is my accountant. And the other right hand is a UPM or a production manager or a production supervisor. Um, And then from then, they each have people below them that help support them. So, um, you know, it just it kind of depends on how many staff members I have. Like on my current show, I have four other staff members that kind of support me. But we all support each other in the end, really. It's just who is kind of doing the legwork, you know? Um, You know, I hire all of the main department heads and then each department head will have their own support staff from there. What is the biggest myth about what you do? Like, because listening to you describe it, a lot of people think the producer is the be all end all. They make all the decisions. They're in control. But that's not true, is it? Like, no. Address no. that myth and then the other ones that you get. Like, let's start with that one. Like, you're the big cheese. You can do whatever you want. Well, I think, you know, the one thing within the entertainment industry and one thing that I love about it so much is that it's very collaborative. There's not, you know, I mean, of course, there are decision makers and there are people that have that power to make decisions to move things around. But at the end of the day, it is very collaborative. And I love that about it. You get to work with a team of people that are hopefully like-minded and you kind of make those decisions together. Um, There's nobody is the boss and they are the ones that kind of make the call. Um, which is a big part of what attracts me to this industry and keeps me there is that, um, it's very collaborative all across the board. You know, I think 
one of the big myths of a lot of people that want to be in the industry that don't really know about the industry. It's that it's glitz and glamour and, you know, it's fun because you're making movies and TV and it is, it is fun. Um, but it's not glitz and glamour. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's grinding. It's hard work. It is tireless. It is 24 seven all the time you're on, you're expected to be on. Um, you're a fireman. Yeah, yeah. You're a fireman. Yeah. When, when you mean, and I were working together, like it would be very typical that you're solving problems. You've gone to bed, you know, if you're lucky at like one or two o'clock in the morning and then at one fifteen or two fifteen or three o'clock, someone calls you who's like still at set doing something and like a water main broke or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, great. And you don't right. ever go, what the hell? Like if you're expecting a normal life, I think no. you should no, do this. No, ex- definitely not. If you're expecting to have a normal life, a regular nine to five, a regular, you know, when you can take your vacations and do your thing, this is definitely not the industry for you. Um, you know, you have to be flexible all the time. It's not, listen, it's not the right way. Um, because I think definitely as time has gone on and advancements and internet and, you know, getting your email on your phone and all of that, the expectation of being on has gone up. Right. Greatly. I think it, I mean, in a lot of different industries, but certainly in in the entertainment industry is that you're just never allowed to shut off, right. you know? And even when you shut off, you're just so used to being on all the time that it's like, you just keep well, picking up your phone. Yeah. yeah. It didn't yeah. vibrate in the last 20 minutes. Somebody's dead. What happened? Yeah. Why is it quiet? <laughs> then you're bugging yourself. Well, I mean, that goes, that goes to the same for us too, because like we watch stuff and listen to stuff and I'm always listening to what the product yeah. is, the end product. So I, I totally identify with what you're saying. Even when we're not on, we're still on. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And I definitely have a hard time turning off just because that's who I am yeah. as a person. So I think being in the industry in that way, it ends up hurting me because I, I really I have a hard time shutting off, period. Yeah, but I think there's something to be said about for completionists, though. You and I are completionists. We'd like to see. Yeah. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How did you how did you get into the the industry this industry that we're in? Well, you know, I was uh, I was in my early twenties. I was going to college, and I kind of was struggling with what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with business because I always knew I had a good head for it, um, but I wasn't sure what. So I was trying different things. I took a documentary class. And it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. And at that time, I was working at a coffee shop near all the studios in Burbank. And I knew a lot of people that were just my friends for coming in there and being customers um, that were in the industry. And so during during that time, I decided to take an internship. And, um, this, you know, this producer that was one of the producers of the show, Martin, as some of you may know, um, back in our time, um, was a customer there and he was a good, good friend of mine. And, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and was like, Hey, if you want to intern with me for a semester, I'll kind of show you what I do. And so I interned with him 
while I was going to college and I was working and just kind of, he, he took me to all of his meetings with him and I really saw firsthand what a producer does. And I was his assistant for that semester and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I kind of wanted to do something creative. And so after that internship, I was still at school and I decided I really wanted to either go into being an editor or a cinematographer. And I wasn't sure. Um, but you know, going to film school, cause as soon as I took that documentary class, I changed subject. I, I changed my major and I got into film. Um, you know, I took an editing class, I took a cinematography class and just kind of really got my hands in there, got my hands dirty of like what these jobs meant, you know, you were doing. Um, and so I left school thinking I wanted to be a DP. Uh, and again, a lot of my contacts were through that coffee shop that I was working at. Um, somebody hired me as a PA and I kind of started there and I went kind of the tech route my first like five years, um, slowly started shooting. I was shooting, um, press junkets and, uh, you know, slowly realized that I, although I loved it, it's not really what I wanted to do. It was very male dominated, um, And even though I didn't, you know, I wasn't being pushed out, but I kind of saw it coming. Um, And I just, you know, I didn't love it enough to want to stick it out. Right. So it was great experience to kind of be on that tech side the first five years, kind of coming up, shooting. I did some audio. I was an A2 on a show. Um, for a season. So I really learned that. Um, and then I just kind of got more into production. But, you know, I, I would have to say, watching you at work, um, producing is creative. Producing is an art. In fact, producing is probably one of the most important pieces of this because if you're not working, the rest of us are not working. If the producer is not putting it together and putting the pieces together, there's no reason for anyone to show up. So I, I have to say it is an art. And there are people who do it very, very well. And then there are monsters who need to be put down behind the barn. But, like, you're one of those people who I would always say, if you want to study producing, she has time for you. You can be that producer now from Martin. You know, to watch you is to learn how it's done, I believe. And I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt. I, this is why you and I are friends. I really love and admire how you produce because there's a human being behind this. You're not a screamer, you're not a yeller, you're not a blamer, you're not a finger pointer. And then when shit hits the fan, literally, in our case, a couple of times, you've been like, okay, fine. Like, you never explode, you never, you know, you always have a joke and you're always ready to roll with it. And I feel like that is art. That is creative as hell. So... Well, that's kind of what I was going to add, too, is that I got into the the tech side of it in the beginning because I thought that's what was going to get my creative need fulfilled, right? Because I thought, well, you have to be shooting a camera. You have to be doing something that is literally creative to use your creative brain. But after I got into production and worked my way up into producing, I, I found out that it's actually creative in a totally different way is You know, I have to constantly be creative in how I am using my money. I have to constantly be creative in 
how when somebody tells me no, how I turn that no into a yes in a, a gentle, um, graceful, human way to kind of, um, you know, make people do what I need them to do for the project. And so um, I definitely coming up was around a lot of a lot of producers that were assholes that were, you know, just didn't care about the human factor. Right. And that has always as a producer been my goal is um, being fair, being human, being kind um, and just being honest with people. Right. You know. Right. Um so you, there is a creative path in, in producing. I just didn't know it from the beginning. I right. kind of discovered it as I've, I've kind of come up. Yeah. You know? So have, given your experience, let's say you're talking, you're giving a talk, giving your TED Talk or teaching a class at UCLA or somewhere, would you recommend to people to go to school or should they jump in or is there any one way or one path? I mean, what's your, what would be your personal recommendation of how to get into producing? I think generally speaking, I think education is key just as, just as a human, I think you, you should have an education. Did edu- that, did my school help me get into the business? It absolutely did not help me get into the business, but what it taught me is it gave me the hands-on experience to kind of get my hands in there and go, okay, this is what this position does. And this is what that position does. And just kind of narrow down a little bit, um, of what I was interested in wanting to do and just educate you a little bit about each of the subjects and each of the departments. Um, you know, I think that after I graduated the hands-on experience I found was way more valuable. I don't think you necessarily need to go to school to do this. Um, I think there's definitely certain schools that help you. Like if you went to USC um, you know, there's definitely outlets and, and different ways that you can get into the industry. But, um, I really wanted my path to be working my way up. Cause I really wanted to know once I knew I wanted to be a producer is I kind of wanted to do as many of the positions as possible myself to know what that person was kind of going through in order to be able to do it the best way that I could when I was a producer. So that was kind of my path. I don't think that's everybody's path. Um, but I think that school could definitely help you in different ways, but it's not necessary to kind of go to school to be in the entertainment industry. I think that's key. What you just said, like knowing however you can get there, whether it's YouTube, well, whether it's just talking to someone or going to a class, taking a set of classes, or actually going to college and doing a full set of courses at a USC or your, wherever you go, I think it's really important to do exactly what you did. And I think that's why you are one of my favorite producers is because you know what everybody else does. You know that when you're asking someone to do X, Y, or Z, you know what you're asking them for. Right. You know, make this yeah. change, do without this, add that. You know what you're asking for rather than just going, make costume pepper happen. And then you've got that, that department going, well, how the hell am I going to hustle and get that done? You know what I'm saying? I feel like if education yeah. gets you there, I mean, that I think is your, if we're giving away secrets today on the podcast, that's the secret to good producing, is knowing what every, even if you don't have to do the job, understanding it. Understanding it is very, very important to me. It's always been important to me to know what that person is doing and 
what I'm asking them to do, how real is it? You know, cause I, I did find coming up where, you know, the producers that were, that were not so understanding or the yellers. And then I would see behind the scenes of certain departments talking about how crazy that request was and the frustrations. I wanted to understand why. So it was important to me to kind of get into those departments and kind of see what it was that was being asked of them and how real it was. Yeah, and that sort of speaks back to your your wanting to collaborate. You know, you're making it a yeah. collaborative yes. effort. You're actively doing it, which is on the on the other side is very appreciative. I mean, we we appreciate it when you know people have our backs, especially as crew members. I mean, I can just it's just it makes a big a big deal to us. No, I try. I really yeah. try. It's really important to me, especially you know I work on union sets and non-union sets and all ki- all kinds of stuff and. You know, especially on non-union sets, I see so many of other productions where crews taking being taken advantage of because they don't have a union behind them to back them up. Like I kind of try to be that voice on the non-union shows because there's there's not anybody protecting them, um, and it's not like people are being taken advantage of left and right, but it happens. Um, it happens by networks, it happens by heads of companies. And I just, I want to make sure that I can try to do my best to not make that happen, to stop that from happening. What, what are the, the biggest challenges of producing and line producing? Right now, COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's a pretty big one. Yeah. It's a pretty big one. Um, God, you know. I thought about this and there's not, there's not really one big thing that is the challenge. There are so many challenges. You're awake, you're on a job. That's the challenge. (laughs) It's like at what point, you know, there's different challenges during different steps, right? Like, um, I mean, my biggest challenge is always trying to make sure that I don't go over budget and I don't run out of money while making the vision of that artist or artists come to life. Um, I I don't ever want money to kind of come in the way of, of whatever the vision is creatively to alter, you know, creative. Um, So that is my biggest challenge because it's, it's like, you know, it's a two-sided thing. Sometimes I can't solve that. Sometimes money does come in the way of, creative, um, being affected, but that's why it's important to be with a team that you can collaborate with and a team that you really like, you know, the, the showrunners that I, that I work with right now are extremely creative and super talented. Um, but they're also open. They're also open to when I am having those money challenges, I can talk to them openly and go, listen, we're in trouble here. We got to do this a little bit differently. Um, and they're very good with that. They're very good with kind of working with you and making that happen. And it, that's not always the case. Which leads me into a question about like, I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I get this asked this question a, a, a lot or was when I was working in the industry. And I wonder what your response is going to be. And it's, uh, has it been tougher to be in your position as a producer, line producer, as a woman? Have you noticed it? You know, I, I honestly have not. Um, I think that I'm in a position in my department where there are a lot of females sitting in my seat. 
That is not um, surprising because we we know what time it is and we know how to run shit. Yeah. You no, know, I mean it's there's a lot of juggle involved in it. So yeah. I think that I think women juggle really well. Um, there's men that juggle really well too, but I think that women just you know just naturally have the ability to do it um, really well. So I think in my position, I, I haven't found it to be that that it's really male dominated. Although. I've seen it on some productions are definitely way more male dominate, dominated than others. Yeah. Um, in different departments, that's definitely true. Like when I was trying to, um, when I was shooting, I was the only female shooting. Uh, there was never a female camera operator, DP, AC, none of that. It's like when, when we were done filming and the, the room cleared, it was me and the guys. Um, and, you know, I kind of use that to my advantage. I have to say. So I haven't been in that position, you know, where I, I found it tough to be a woman and what I'm doing currently. It's good to know. Hmm. And is. I also definitely try to make it diverse. I have to say that being in the position where I'm hiring people, I definitely try to make it as diverse as possible. Um, male, female, um, race, all of it. You know, I want it to be as, as different colored as possible. Do you, do you see other productions like other, um, line producers? Do you see that they're making a point to be diverse or is it, is it just something that the industry is saying, look what we're doing? Cause we only see, really the, we it. only see the top level of it. That's all we see. Yeah. Really. Right. 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 No. I mean, I can't say, I don't know if my colleagues are doing it, honestly, like people that I know directly that are in my position. I don't know. I know that with networks that I'm working like right now with the show that I'm on, it's a huge deal to be diverse. Um, it is talked about all the time. Um, it is pointed out when it's not diverse. Um, so it, it is now I would say in like the last, you know, five or so years, it has become a big deal to be diverse and to want to be diverse, um, mainly coming from the top down to make sure that our productions are diverse. But I've always kind of done that anyway. I've always wanted to do that. Um, so I think that I, I, it's exciting that more networks are on board with that more production companies are more, you know, on board with wanting to be that way. You know, it's not happening all the time, but I, I see it changing and I'm hopeful about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, you, we see a lot of, we see the, the speeches, you know, we see a lot of people speaking about it on award shows, but when it comes down to the rubber meets the road, it's like, you know, there's only so much power you have on a set. Right. Um, but collect in the collective, you know, Every little bit helps, right? Yeah. Every little, it does. every recommendation to a friend, you know, every right. pushing that person a little extra hard, and also just don't be a douche. Like, don't stand in the way of diversity. Right. I mean, I feel like right. sometimes it's just as simple as just get out of the way. Right. You know. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it it, it can be tough sometimes. You know, we were in that position on our show where you know, we have different directors come and go on the different episodes and we wanted to have, you know, female directors. We wanted to have African American directors. We wanted to have, you know, 
fitting the the theme that we're talking about, we wanted to match the director. Right. And in one of our episodes, we tried and tried and tried. And it was like the best fit person was a white dude. Sure. So it's like, you know, at that point, well, we, we can't hurt the show. No. We can't say we're right. going to... We're going to hire this dude because he fits the bill, but he's not the best person for the job. You just, you have to be mindful to also keep that in mind while trying to be diverse is that you can push the diversity as far as you can, but if the best fit person is a white dude, then that's what you got to do. You and know? I have nothing against white dudes. I love Dave Grohl. He's great. I heard George Washington was cool too. So, you know. But I think it's yeah. good that the conversation is being had and it's being pushed from the, the conversation. top down. The conversation is being you had. Know? The pressure is being applied. I think, yeah. you know, th- I think we are entering an era. Hopefully it won't just die on the vine. I don't think it will. I think the new generation coming up and those of us who've been in it for a minute, we're not going to let it die on our watch either. Yeah. I feel like if we get no. a chance to push no. it, we're going to push it. I mean, I'm always I looking. Mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just saying, I, I, I'm always looking for other Filipinos on set. Right. I mean, I'm just like, uh, is there another Filipino here? It's just, but I don't yeah. know. It's just you do oh, get the I've shout like, out. <laughs> I've met like two Armenians in my entire career, which makes know? me crazy. I'm like, how is that? You would think that you guys would just own Hollywood by now. Well, because it is like such a, you know, um, it's not a standard career path. No. And so I think being, you know, first generation, you know, um, I think that your parents just kind of beat it out of you. And my parents did too. My parents were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, <laughs> they fought me doing this for many, many, they many did. Years. Mommy, Johnny, oh, Papa yeah. John fought you too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never heard that. Many story. Years. Wow. Oh yeah. Many years. But you know, the funny part of it is that I think that when I look back, um, I think I was always meant to be a producer because my mom really taught me how to be a good producer. How? How so? You know, I, I, uh, I was born and raised in Iran or I lived in Iran till I was nine. And, you know, my mom ran our household and we lived in a Muslim country um, where male dominated, you know, the country. And I watched her handle shit she bargained she pushed her way around and in a very kind way she always got what she wanted and so watching her kind of growing up not only handle the finances of of everything in our household she really got people to do what she wanted them to do well she also got her family out of the country when the Shah overtook the country. So she got you out of the country. She kept you well, guys alive, right? Like she was that driving force. Right? I mean, I'm not saying. That, I mean, that was a, that was a collaborative, gotcha. definitely yeah. collaborative, uh, you know, um, force of my parents of right, getting of us out of the country. Nothing but, against Poppy John, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Yes, yes. Yeah. But she was definitely um, a huge part of making me kind of into a producer without even really knowing that that's, what was happening or that's what was she was doing, you know, awesome. but yeah, they fought me being in the, in the industry for many, many years. I wow. never knew that about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And now, it's also because yeah. it's also because I, I stayed as a freelancer. I always wanted to be a freelancer. I never went to 
um, you know, I never have been a full timer at, uh, at any company because I've always wanted to choose my projects and choose the people that I work with and kind of choose my own path. Um, and that was a big problem for them too. Cause it just, that's where are you sitting stability. at the house? It's Tuesday. Why don't you have a regular job? What are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. I know we, we recently lost your father uh, and I'm so sorry to hear about that. Um, thank you. Uh, your parents became proud of you though. Your parents I mean, busting yes. with pride over you for what you did. Yes. Yeah. Def- it took about 10 years. <laughs> that sounds definitely like an Armenian family to me. That's totally. like begrudgingly. Well, she's doing okay. She's not in a ditch. But also, <laughs> like I think what helped this because you and I talked about it for years. You know, we ripped, we ripped and ran the roads. You and I. We'll leave it at that. And then you know, you you meet your guy. Uh, you meet mm-hmm. Mac, and then you start having children. I think that calmed everything down because you're the only kid. I think who's had kids so far. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> you're the only, you know, you're the daughter. You have the kids. So what happens with your career? You're, you're tooling along. You're, you're putting down roots. You're you're getting established as a producer. People know your name, and then you start having your kids. Like, what? Ha- walk me through that if you can. Um, you know, I think that. I was lucky that I was at a good point in my career when I had kids. Um, you know, I got into the business in my, you know, very early twenties and I had time to put my roots down and I did all that I could to kind of establish myself. Um, I did all the traveling that I wanted to, I did all the travel shows and everything that I needed to do at that point in the positions that I was. And by the time I was, you know, ready to have kids. Um, I just kind of had to transition a little bit into not taking the travel jobs as much and just kind of saying no to those. But I had a really good, you know, um, contacts in, in who I was working with and letting them know that I was no longer interested in that. I mean, it definitely was challenging and it's still challenging because I have to juggle even more. Um, but it was at a good point when it happened. I think if I was a little bit older when I started, or if I had kids younger, I would have struggled a lot more because a lot of times in the industry, it's not as acceptable, you know? Um, you know, I've heard people say, well, don't hire her. She's got kids. She's not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I've heard that so many times and it, is the worst and it sucks. And I mean, even in my current show right now and love everybody to death, but I am one of two people that have children. Nobody on our team have children. Everybody. I'm one of the oldest people in our team, um, with children. So with that, you know, comes limitations, come time restrictions. And so definitely could it, people can be prejudiced against wanting to hire and I don't know why, because I, the, I did a gig with this girl, and she almost gave birth to her baby. I her, did. Her son on that damn plane when we were going <laughs> to Vegas to do that. We were doing this industrial, and Tallinn was producing, and I don't know what I was doing on the show. We can call myself producer. I think I was just trying to keep the dude from Vegas from murdering us all. I don't know. There was a lot of threatening of me going on. I think I was just a shield. But you were doing the actual uh, producing. And I remember like you were pregnant. I don't know how, were you like I eight was months? seven and a half. You were I was seven and a half months. months. 
We yeah. were on the plane, and I remember there was a video I have I found in my phone the other day of me like holding the phone on the baby on her stomach, going, "Don't be born on this plane." And then you had Braxton Hicks in the middle of product, like we were there like a week or a few days, and you, you know, and we're in Vegas, and and somebody local was working on the show with us and like, don't take her to this local hospital. That's the gunshot tourist hospital. So they had to drive you like 45 minutes right. away from said. And I'm just sitting there the entire time going, please don't have your baby now. <laughs> don't All I remember baby. from that show is you constantly telling me to not have the baby. Keep your legs crossed. <laughs> like, keep it in. The 10 days. <laughs> and it was one of those rare moments where I think, we were all hanging out and down in the bar and you were just, you know, you were upstairs, you know, taking your nap and everybody's like, let's call Tolly. And I'm like, if either any one of you people call Tolly and ask her anything and we'll murder you, she's going to give birth in her <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Thank God I didn't. Thank but you God. Did it. You like a, but you, uh, you mean you make, all you got to do is make a few concessions. It's not that hard. And again, if you're running your set correctly, I should say, yeah. you don't need to work a 17, 18 hour day. If you know what you're no. doing. And you don't need 19,000 takes. I mean, I'd like to see, isn't that kind of going away with a dodo? Like, aren't a lot of people going, why do you need so many freaking takes? I think the tolerance of that kind of tour bullshit, I think, might be passing away. I'd like to believe that. I haven't seen it in a long time, honestly. Yeah. I think people I are like, not. let's get yeah. out of here. Let's go home. Let's live our lives, you know, whether you have kids or not. I mean, I don't have kids. And I'm like... I learned this from you. I used to think it was the red badge of courage to stay on set until 2 o'clock in the morning. And the one thing I taught, and I should probably thank your mom too, is you were like, we, it's 7 o'clock. My car is going to be accessible to a roadway, and I'm out of here. It's before you had kids. I do that now. I mean, I, I really put that kind of – I mean, I say that I don't turn off, but I definitely yes. have – that rule of like, even like before COVID, before we stopped going to the office, I, I sat down with my showrunners and I said, listen, I have two kids and I like to put them to bed every night and uh, my job will be done, but I am leaving here between six and seven and I'm going home and I'm having dinner with my kids and I'm putting to bed and then I will answer your call and answer your emails. And I've done that from for since the time I've had kids. But even before then, though, Tallinn, I remember this very. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you told you showed me how to establish. Now you never walked off a set when there was work to be done. I'm not saying that. Like you would handle your shit, but at one point, and you're like, "We're good. We're good. I'm out." Like you yeah. didn't stay. I just thought it was like I was suffering from my art. I needed to stay there. And what I found was when I hung around, people had problems. And when I went home, they sorted it out themselves. And I watched that firsthand with you. And, you know, as a person who was older than you, I was like learning, oh, my God, that's how you set boundaries. And I've always been admirable of it. And then when Ian was getting to, into the game, I think, you know, it was kind of already in the DNA that we were I was passing over to him. Like, you don't have to live on this set. Yeah. And it's already in your nature, too. But it's like well, that no. is the that's the Tallinn, Persegian, Middleton gift to this household is shit's done. We out, you know, I don't want to sit here and be hanging out with, I don't want to have tailgate beers with you guys. Not that yeah, I don't no. love you or admire you or care about you, but I don't, I mean, unless Snoop Dogg asks you to smoke weed and then you do it, then you do it. You and do then you it. sit in your car for three hours. No. I did. <laughs> she did. <laughs> How old were you when you smoked with uh, Snoop? I think I was 26. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you guys were, it was oh, yeah. you and another PA, you were cleaning up some set. Tell the story. It's a great story. It's one of my favorites. I got to hear the story. 
Uh, no, I was a, I was an AD yes. on his, uh, on a TV show on MTV. And so I was working with him for like three or four months. Cool as hell. And as an AD, you work with talent, right? Um, you interface with them, you interact with them all day long. And so, um, the first AD and I were really close and every single day on set, Snoop, who had his own private, uh, joint roller on set, who would travel with him. He would come to set every single day. Um, every day he would try to pass us the joint, pass us the blunt. And we're like, dude, we are working. We cannot get high right now. And I was like, I promise you though, on the last day, I will smoke with you and it's going to go down in the books and I'm going to mark it off. I smoked a blunt with Snoop. So the last day came and he was all, yo, gave me the little head. I was like, I'm, I'm in. So me and the first AD went into, uh, into his trailer and we smoked a blunt and it was amazing. Wow. And it was the highest that I've ever been <laughs> to the point where I could not move. And then an hour later, after Snoop left, Transpo came. This was a union show. Transpo came and he was, they were like, you all are cleaning this trailer. We cannot go into this space. We get drug tested. Here you go. They gave us all the cleaning supplies and left. And me and the first AD cleaned the trailer. I could be. And just sat in the car for three hours because we couldn't move. That's awesome. I mean, Snoop's been smoking since he came out the womb. And I'm impressed because there's people who have tried to keep up with Snoop. The fact that well, you, you were to. the fact we that you were to. left standing and that you could even function to clean the trailer is my favorite part of the story. But then I relate to, and then we sat in the car for three to four hours until we could yeah. like go home. Yeah, yeah, totally. Favorite yeah, story. Thank you fun. for retelling that. Wow. I was living for that moment. There you go. She's got a million more, but we only have like a little bit of time here. That's awesome. Fun times. So as as you know, we're in this pandemic. Um, what are, what are some things that you're facing as a parent and as a, a professional? She's like, oh, my God, do we have another hour? Oh, my hour? God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other Oprah. Um, I mean, you know, in the pandemic, obviously, I have two small kids. I have a four and a six-year-old. Um, you know, we've gone through a lot of different motions, ups and downs, Um of just finding out what the new normal is here, you know, as I had to transition into, you know, working full-time from home, uh, being a teacher, um, you know, being the, the household chef, um, keeping up with my work, uh, just a lot, a lot more pressure, a lot more responsibility. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of joy too, I have to say, through spending so much time together because we never, ever have spent this much time together. Um, because your so, husband is a producer too, so he's got his gig. Is he's he got home? his gig. So is he home as he's well? Home. Okay. Yep, we're both home. Um, you know, he's animation. He does animation, but we do the same job. So um, the pressures and everything is, is, is just the same for both of us. So both of us working from home has been a, a lot of adjusting, a lot of having to be flexible and, you know, kind of trying to do our best and making it work. Um, school's about to start in a few weeks and, you know, my son's going to be going into first grade and that's, I don't know how we're going to do it. We're going to have yeah. to figure it out. Um, 
So we'll see, but it's been really, really challenging. I think one of the things that you said when we were trying to set this up is you're like, I have to run my household like I run a set. And I related to it so much because, I mean, you are, you have always cooked for your kids. You made their food when they were little, like you made their baby food. Like you cook for your family. You cook, cook for your family. You made their lunches. And like, if you go to Tallinn's Instagram, there were all the little, these little cool um, metal cases, lunchbox for the kids. And like, just, she made these, this, you're a very hands-on mom. And then I'm like, where does the superhuman vibranium strength come from? And then when we were planning this, you were like, I'm running my house like a set. And I just laughed. I'm like, that's exactly how you would do it. That's exactly how I, you would do it. I wish I could take you to Decker's room and show you I have on his dresser a call sheet. Ah, there is a call sheet. <laughs> there's a call sheet. <laughs> I do. I do. He's got time. He knows how to read time. And there's a call sheet oh of what time of day he gets to do what. Oh, my and gosh. We've been lucky enough uh, through this that um, his kindergarten teacher has a 15-year-old daughter. She's been coming over babysitting um, three days a week. And I make her make a call sheet. So she makes a daily call sheet of what he does from what time to what time. And he's got the options and I make the call sheet for his food. And so we kind of marry those two things together and we're able to work. I swear there's a whole side side business in this. There's a whole you teaching a side business on how to do this. You're like, with what time that would have to go on the call sheet. We can put it into the call sheet. God, you're my favorite person. I, mean, I, love I made that. a call sheet for my wedding. You know that, right? I know. I know this. I know yeah. this about you, but I yeah. didn't, that your child has a call sheet. Oh my God. Yes. Which he leads me, you know, here's the question. Do, can I say your ch- children's names? Yeah, sure. When Decker and Penelope grow up, if they were to say to you that they want to do what mom and dad does, they want to be producers, what would your response be? Would you encourage that or what would you, how would you set them up for that? What would your reaction be and how would you set them up for that if you wanted them to do it? If they love it, I would absolutely encourage them to do it. I don't ever want my children to feel like they have to do a certain thing or be a certain somebody. If watching us or whatever, if they take a class and it ignites something in them that makes them want to do this, 100% I would support it. I, it's not an easy job. It's, uh, I think I would tell anybody who wanted to do this, if you don't love it, 150% do not do it. Do not get into it. If you're doing for If you're doing it for any other reason other than 150% loving it, do not do it. So I would encourage it if they if they wanted to do it and they loved it, I 100% would encourage it. Would you tell them to go to school? Would you say you need to get a background in this? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Higher higher advan- uh, education past uh, um, just a BA or uh, whatever it is for, you know, four year degree. Would you get into like masters and? I mean, to be in the stuff? film business, I don't think so. No. no. No, I don't think that's. They're going to be in the film that- business, so they won't be able to pay that off. I mean, for a long time, I think that the hands for us in our business, the hands-on experience is so much more important, um, in so many different ways and like kind of getting into different productions and kind of learning from each of those experiences of kind of what to do, what not to do, um, versus what any textbook is going to tell you to do. I mean, you, you, you gotta know all the classics and you gotta know all the background and the history, but um, I think to do it, you kind of just got to get in there and, and just work. Just do it, yeah. I agree. What, yeah. what is your philosophy 
Do you have a motto or philosophy that you like going into a production that you always keep in the back of your mind? I think to be fair. I really work very hard on being fair, on making sure that everybody's happy doing what they're doing and things are really fair all across the board. That's a, that's a wonderful philosophy to have. And I have witnessed that fairness firsthand, and I think that's why you're one of the big shits out there. <laughs> you're too nice. Real quick before we get out of here, so the show that you're on now that we really can't talk about, uh, the show that you're on, is it, is it stalled out for now? Is it going to get completed? I know that you were toward the end because Ian worked on it with you a little bit. Uh, is it stalled out? Is it, is it going to – where is it? Yeah, I mean um... – the show hasn't been announced, but it's a Netflix show, and uh, our launch date has definitely been affected and pushed by COVID. Um, we were about 70% done with filming, and once COVID hit, uh, it completely halted, and now we're kind of figuring out the new, um, the new ways of, of filming, which are very restrictive and are, you know, a lot more time consuming and costly to shoot in the COVID world now. Right. So we're doing it, but we're doing it much slower. Um, post is continuing to go. And that was kind of what kept us going is me quickly transitioning after COVID on how we do this. So nobody loses their jobs. How we, how do we keep going so that people all of a sudden aren't unemployed, you know? Um, and Netflix has been a great partner in kind of figuring that out. Um, so we still keep going and we're still trying to complete, but uh, it's different. It looks different and it, and, it, and it costs a hell of a lot more and we're trying to figure it out. But, um, but we're still going. We're not shut down and we won't be shut down. We'll finish and it'll air sometime next year as soon as we were able to deliver it all. Well, when it does come out, we'll announce it. We'll talk about it, give you a shout out. But uh, yeah. Hey, thank you for your time. I, you know, I've missed you. Been watching, I've been thank stalking you. you on Instagram from afar, watching your family grow up. But this has been nice talking to you this way. And then, you know, just, just saying hi. Like you and I always pick up, like it's been 15 minutes ago, I feel like. Right, right. No, I mean, this was really nice. I really appreciate you reaching out because it's like something that I kind of got to do for myself. You I know, like I like that. Um, so that was really nice. And it's always nice to see both of you guys. So thank you so much for having this me. This is going to be it until there's a vaccine. This is what we're doing. This is how we're I all know. hanging out in the modern age. Yeah. I hey, know, right? Thank you for joining us, Tallinn. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we're going to keep track of Tallinn. We'll tell you what's going on. And, you know, she can tell you what Snoop smells like. When does he, does, what does he <laughs> smell like? Does he smell like just like weed? Weed. He just weed. Smells like weed. There's no, like, he doesn't have any... Dakar Noir underneath all of that. It's just weed. Nope. There's just, just essence weed. of just weed. Nice. Okay. Well, that, that question's been answered. Nice. Um, <laughs> you guys have a great, uh, a great week, great weekend. Take care of yourselves. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming and listening again uh, with us with another special guest telling you how the sausage is made. And I hope you guys learned a lot. I know I did. Oh. So come back and join us next time. And you never know who's going to be here. So come back and check us out. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.